Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Uh, I used to be a part of a harvest crew when I was a kid. My grandfather owned a company uh, that was a custom harvest company out of Texas. And so in seventh grade, I started uh, cutting wheat. And it was a, a lot of fun and a lot of work. And I, I remember you go out and you grease the combine typically. You uh, change the oil, blow the filters out. All of that before you come back and have breakfast. And then you'd have breakfast and you would uh, go out and work. And uh, you had to learn everybody's job to be effective, to be a part of a crew. You needed to know what everybody did. And that would include maybe uh, knowing how to dump uh, with a truck, knowing how to pull a trailer and back trailers up, knowing how to actually uh, take the front part or the header off the combine and set it down on a trailer and strap that down effectively so that it didn't fall off somewhere down the road. And when you got good at that, you became a part of the crew. And the way that you know you're a part of the crew is that the crew actually needs you, that you're not just a tag along with that. Uh, working in the heat and the sun and the fields uh, led me to uh, join the service, and I joined uh, the Coast Guard, and my very first ship was a construction ship. We had 14 for a crew, and what we did was we actually had a crane on the front of our ship, and we would load piles, uh, wood, and steel piles, pilings, and we would pound those into the ocean floor. And we would put boards on them that would tell a ship if they were coming or going, basically. We were kind of like a construction crew for the highway out on the, sh uh, the ocean. And we would build platforms on top of those that included batteries and lights and uh, um, solar panels that seagulls would poop on. And when you're the new guy, you're wiping the poop off, the, uh, off of that. It stunk pretty bad. And you had to learn every part of that actual ship. So the bulkheads are the walls and the ribs on the ship where everything went. And then you needed to learn at least a portion of everybody's job on that ship to be an effective crew person. And when you did, when you actually engaged with them and, 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 and were on a mission with them and, and you were approved by several tests, you got this pen that was a cutterman's pen. Well, knowing that uh, on harvest, when you get to the point where you're pulling up to the wheat, and at the time there was a lever, there's probably a button now on a combine, but you lift the lever and you engage the reel that starts spinning and then starts cutting and, and you move forward into that wheat and the wheat just falls into that combine after you've got full uh, the thing going full throttle, you're really a part of the crew at that particular time. And even if you're taking that stuff into town to dump uh, that truck and get it back safely, you're a part of the crew. On that construction ship, you're a part of that crew when you can do anything else that uh, anybody on the ship can actually do. And when the captain turns to the executive officer and you can see him up on the bridge and he says, all right, lines off, and the executive officer gets on the speaker and says, okay, crew, lines off. And then two actual huge motors that power normal, normal trains like you see out here on the tracks start to fire up and those throttles come alive. It shakes you on the deck it shakes your feet and you can feel it actually start to move and that sound doesn't go away until you get back so you're working all day and sleeping with generators all night and uh, then coming back 
To do what? To engage in a mission. So you're going out to do something to make it safe for other people. On harvest, you're going out to make a living. And all of that preparation that you worked for, nothing counts until you actually engage that wheat and let it start falling in that header so that the people engaged in that get to make some money. Well, wouldn't you like to be a part of a crew? Being part of a crew here at Save the Cowboy can uh, be extremely important. And we need as much of an effective crew as possible. There's a way to do that, actually. And if you have your Bible with you, I would like for you to turn to Daniel 10.10. Daniel's had yet another dream. And uh, his name in here when uh, uh, he was basically working for Nebuchadnezzar, uh, a, a hugely famous king back in that day, uh, was Belshazzar. And Daniel meets this angel who is going to describe for him what his dream was about. And during that actual uh, meeting, we find out a lot of things in just two short paragraphs. Daniel 10.10, 10, a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and my knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Pretty amazing there that since he first set his heart and mind to God is how you can become a crew, how you can be part of the crew here. It's actually through prayer and asking God what he would have you do and getting the understanding of how important what you do is uh, going to be to even us and yourself and your family, of course. Kevin had asked me uh, to come up here a, a couple of times and um, more than happy to, but there was this one particular time he asked me, and for two weeks, I had two weeks before it was going to happen, and I'm telling you, I, the king of Persia that stopped that angel for 21 days, I don't know who's in charge of this area for Satan, but uh, they worked on me really hard for two solid weeks. They worked on me by uh, actually telling me that I wasn't good enough, that my past should stop me from getting up here, even though I asked for forgiveness, and that uh, I didn't have the right to actually contribute to this wonderful organization in any way that I could. And that's hard. And I almost called Kevin twice during that week. And you just suck it up and you move forward because the same little thing that would sit on your shoulder, that prince who's really nothing, but he'd sit on your shoulder and tell you to go do something that you know you shouldn't do, is the same one that's going to turn around and accuse you once you've actually done something like that and ask for forgiveness from God. And it makes me mad. <clears throat> so... We were laughing a little this morning. I've done the Lord's Prayer since I was a little kid, and I've got up here and forgot it. <laughs> I'm going to ask you all to pray it with me so that I can listen to you and not screw that up. All right? And uh, I'm going to piss the devil off just a little bit because we're all going to do that together. We're going to reach in our seas and use the best weapon possible, which is the Word of God, which is what he used when he was talking to Satan. He didn't create anything new. He used the Word that was already written. So, if I can get y'all to start that off, 
I'll dive in with it too. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Ty, you picked a much prettier person to sit next to this morning. I'm paying attention, but uh, I felt that the Lord moved me this week to actually talk about the fact that some people maybe driving on this ranch this morning might have had a whole bunch of things to stop you on the way. You might have been inclined not to be here, and I get that. I really do. That you're hurting in some way, and as some of you, I'm sure, are very happy. But for those that we don't know that are hurting sitting next to us, and those that we don't know their story sitting next to us, I'm going to ask that we hold hands. If you lift a finger for Save the Cowboy, why not hold your hand of the neighbor sitting next to you? And we're going to pray for this organization. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, to be in this country, but to be at Save the Cowboy, which is a group of hearts that are sitting out right here, right now. They're online with us also, and they're joining us any way that they can. Father, we pray for Kevin and his family. We pray for Ty and his family, and we pray for everybody that's actually working any kind of systems to make this organization count, and for everybody that showed up here today. Our neighbor that we're holding hands with may have an issue, and we want to pray for them. Not to just fix it, Lord, not to try and fix it, but just to show that we understand and we're glad they're a part of the uh, Save the Cowboy family. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Gerald. When, he, uh, when Gerald did the, the Lord's Prayer this morning, and he, we were in the middle of it, and uh, when he messed it up, I just started chuckling. Because the very first time I did it up here, I messed it up too. And so that just means you're part of the crew now, Gerald. So when, when, when he made us hold hands this morning, well, asked us to, uh, I was sitting next to a guy with really rough hands on the left side and a guy with a really strong grip on the right side. And so I decided to sit next to two pretty girls. Uh, I'm not that bright, but I do learn. So welcome this morning to Save the Cowboy. Our, our, if you're new, uh, my name is Ty Weber. Um, I'm not sure what my title is. Uh, pretty much do whatever needs to be done. Uh, Kevin Weatherby, our pastor, is, is uh, in Durango doing a wedding this weekend, so I'm filling in for him. Um, I take care of our, our ranching operations here. We're, we're building a, a working ranch to uh, called the Long X Ranch, and that, and that is to help with this ministry and help reach lost people. And uh, going to go along with, with uh, the message this morning. So uh, welcome and, and thanks for coming. Got a beautiful day today. I'm so happy it's cool. I'm not a I'm not a hot weather person. Okay? Can't come from the north, and so about 80 degrees, I start getting uncomfortable. And uh, I'm loving this deal. So about a month ago, I bought a little Yerdlin Black Angus bull, <coughs> and decided I better get him out with some cows. So I, uh, I turned him out, and it was two days before before we were going to go on vacation to Montana to my mom's 80th birthday party. And, uh, I I kicked him out with the cows. I just got a small bunch of cows, and I. I Turn him out, and, uh, and the day before we were going to leave, I thought, you know, I should just run out there and check on water and take out some salt and mineral and just make sure that bull got got uh, settled in okay. So I just drove my pickup. I didn't have a horse with me. I went and dumped my salt and mineral and went down to the to the water tank, and all the cows were and calves were gathered around there, and and I took a look at him and and uh, took a count, and no bull. Been out two days, and he's missing. So I'm like, well, I I got a pretty good idea where he is. Uh, I have a few cows, and my neighbor has a lot of cows. 
And so I'm pretty sure I know where he is. So I was on foot, which I hate. You guys know I hate walking. And uh, But I, I crawled the fence and, and uh, kind of walked out there. I could see some cows kind of near a water hole in the, on the neighbor's place. And I walked out there, and sure enough, I didn't, I didn't get any closer than I needed to, but from about a half mile, I could, I could see a small yearling bull, and I'm like, yep, that's got to be him. So I went home, and I, and I called Kevin. And I said, Kevin, what are you doing? Kevin's learning. He's like, uh, kind of busy. <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you got to commit before, before I tell you. He says, well, I, I'm busy counting flies, and you know, I can't really help you. And he's like, no, no, he said, he said, what do you need? And I said, well, I got this bull missing. I'm trying to leave for Montana tomorrow. I'm up to my neck and stuff, and should be packing and getting ready to leave early in the morning. And I and I gotta go get this bull in. I said, can you help me rope this yearling and bring him and load him in the trailer? And I'm just gonna take him home because I'm not gonna mess with him, you know, being out for a week while I'm gone. So, uh, so he he went with me. We jumped in the trailer and truck and went out there and and uh, <laughs> we trotted about a mile and and uh, came upon that bunch of cows. And sure enough, there he was. And the poor little guy looked like he'd been through heck. His head was hanging, he was ganned up, and he was lame on half of his feet, okay? two out of four. And so, man, and so we went to, to, to get around him, and usually you, you, you get a young bull in with a bunch of hot cows, and, and they don't want to leave. But, but this bull, he'd, he'd had enough. He'd had enough. And so we got behind him, and he just made a beeline, uh, you know, like this, for, for the trailer. And, and so we just kind of kept him moving pretty slowly and got him up close, and then and then I roped him, and, and uh, I kind of kept him pointed the right way, and, and Kevin drove him from the back, and, and we got him up close to the trailer. And so Kevin got off to, to open the trailer gate so I could drag him in. And uh, while he was down on the ground, I reached behind and untied a halter from my saddle strings, and I threw it down to him, and I said, here, put this halter on that bull. You, you'd have thought it was unreasonable for me to ask him to, to put a halter on a yearling range bull. I, I didn't get it. He, he looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, let's go ahead and put the halter on him, and then we'll lead him in. And I knew he, he Kevin knows me pretty well, and, and I think I stumped him because he's like, I don't know if he's serious or kidding or if he's trying to get me killed or what. I'm like, go ahead, just put the halter on him. So he's a trooper. Kevin's a trooper. And he's like, okay. And so he's out here like this, trying to, trying to get the halter on this bull's head, and, and, uh, and the bull just stands there. I got him kind of up short and dallied up. bull just stands there. He gets the halter on him. Like, whew, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. I said, well, yeah. That bull got showed at the National Western Stock Show. He's broke the lead. He's like, you jerk. And so I got off, and I grabbed the lead rope on the bull, and I lunged him to the right, and I lunged him to the left, and I disengaged his hindquarters and loaded him in the trailer. For real. And he's like, this has to be a sermon illustration. It'll get used, I'm sure. But anyway, so <laughs> we took the, I took that bull home and put him in a little pasture where he could heal up and, and put him with a couple old cows that he could... He could be with and, and uh, went on vacation. So the, the I guess what I want to talk about this morning is is uh, the topic be wandering. So there's a, there's a couple aspects of wandering that I want to talk about. And the first the first one is, is would be the, the the destructive side of wandering. Okay, the the cowboy culture has always been that of wandering. That you, you look at a you look at a working cowboy and he's worked everywhere from Montana to South America, right? They're always searching for that place where of fulfillment, where where the, the boss leaves them alone and the, the horses are good to ride and the cattle are easy to handle and the food is edible and and uh, you know the the bunkhouse doesn't have theme squirrels in it and 
and uh, you know, so they're always looking for that place of fulfillment, and and seems like it's never found, and so they got to move on and move on and move on, and and uh, can't quite seem to to find the peace and the, the happiness that uh, that they're searching for. And we see that with non-believers, they're they're searching their whole lives for for that very same thing, for happiness, for peace, for for comfort, for belonging, and and they never find it either. A lot of them never find it. Christians do the same thing. We we jump from church to church. We try to find that church that that uh, where where we can make sure that God believes the same way we do. Right? And a lot of Christians never find that church, so they wander off. And and in all three of those instances, there's the, the wandering doesn't solve the problem because the answer is right here, and it's in Jesus Christ. Okay? It's it's right with you all the time. It's right with us. Right with everybody. And wandering doesn't wandering off from him doesn't help, doesn't solve the problem. It just takes you further away and and it actually causes us to put distance between God and ourselves and and in doing so we can't have a relationship with him. And that's all God wants. That's all Jesus wants is us to have a relationship with him. Um so the the, the wandering always leads to trouble. Okay, it's biblical. Uh you read your Bible at all, there's gonna be story after story where the the person wanders away from God things don't go very well and they run into trouble and then they come back and then things are, are looking up a lot more and so you know in the case with that bull he he it's a, it's the grass is greener syndrome right we're not we're not happy where we are that bull had a nice little setup okay he had a he had a small bunch of very willing cows and he had a, a lot of green grass and he had a fresh water source and he didn't have to do a whole heck of a lot just hang out and enjoy the summer right so it wasn't good enough for him he looked across the fence saw Saw what he thought was a better deal and left, and it wound up getting him hurt. He's lame. He's still lame. Okay, not usable this summer. Uh, hopefully he'll come around and I can use him as a two-year-old. But, but uh, he's still paying the price for what he did there. And so that's what happens with us a lot of times is when we wander off, we open ourselves up to the temptations of this world and the sin, and uh, and and it leads us to all kinds of addictions and and wrongdoings. It, it messes up our relationships. It leads us to addictions to drugs and alcohol and sex and, and all the other things and and uh, it just causes us trouble and causes us pain and, and so uh, you know that then we find out the grass really isn't that green over there and, and that's kind of how my early life was I couldn't ever find fulfillment in anything else so I decided you know alcohol was my answer I'll just jump in the bottle and things would be great might be hard to believe but it wasn't it wasn't the answer so uh, so that wandering you know it it, it uh, it's going to cause us to be hurt. It's going to cause us trouble, and it's going to cause us to to create a void between us and and what the real answer is, and that's and that's the love of Jesus Christ. So, uh, so that's one aspect of what wandering does to us. The second aspect is the good news. Okay, there's always got to be good news, and the good news is that through God's grace, we're always welcome back. Always, every one of us is welcome back after we wander in in and run into trouble and, and do all of our sinning and, and do all the things that, that hurt people and hurt ourselves, God God forgives that and he welcomes us back with open arms through the grace of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. We didn't earn any of it. We don't even deserve it. But because Jesus paid the price for us, we're always welcome back. And and, uh, and we're welcome back with open arms, with no with no hard feelings. As long as we can repent and, and try to do better, we're always welcome. And so... <coughs> uh, in, uh, in Psalm 119, verse 67, it says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. 
1 Timothy 6, verse 9, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. That's, that's uh, the word telling us what happens when we wander. The word also tells us what happens when we come back. I love the, the story of the prodigal son in, in Luke 15. So the, the youngest boy, <clears throat> he's not happy just hanging around working for his dad. So he says, I want my inheritance. I'm going to go out and see the world. So his dad gives him his inheritance and he goes out and he, he blows all his money and uh, winds up with no money and no food and he's starving to death and he's to the point where he's eating with the pigs. And he's, he decided this wandering thing really isn't all that fun. So he says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and I'm going to ask for forgiveness and see if my father will at least make me a servant. His dad sees him coming from quite a ways down the road and rejoices because his son is home. And he welcomes him with open arms and forgives him immediately and, and welcomes him back and gives him his former status in the family. And so that's what God does for us. He doesn't, we, don't, we don't come back as a lower form just because we've messed up, and we all mess up. We come back to our former status which is, which is we're loved just as much as everyone else. Uh, and get me thoughts here. In Matthew 18, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than, than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. We're the little ones. Okay. Um, so th there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one that wandered away and came back than there is of the 99 that stayed. So I guess the, what I'm saying is it's never too late. And we've, we've all been there. We all know people who are there right now. And, and it's great news that, that through God's forgiveness, we can, we can uh, come back without any repercussion. Uh, in Colossians 2, verse 21, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Okay. <sighs> that's, that's true forgiveness. And it's, and it's in the word, so we know it's true. And that, when, that, when I saw that bull out there in the pasture, I rejoiced because I found my bull. You know? uh, I wasn't mad. I mean, he was doing what bulls do. Uh, bulls you know, tend to wander, especially Angus bulls. And, uh, and the trouble is, the, the neighbor's bulls were doing what, what neighbor bulls do, and they beat him up pretty bad and, and hurt him. Okay? Uh, the bull is still hurt. I can't use him. Um, that's kind of how my operation runs, by the way. It's, uh, Kathy laughs. I got a bull that's unusable. Uh, had to lease a bull to replace him. I, I tell you, if anybody, if anybody that has way too much money out here needs a ranch manager, I am, I, I'm going to get you the tax write-off you need. Okay? Just... And it won't cost you a whole lot. I'm your man, okay? I, I'm a master at buying high and selling low. Uh, most of the ranchers around here, uh, when they decide to market their cattle, they call me. For, not for advice. They ask me when I'm going to sell my calves, so they make sure they sell theirs two weeks before. Because I, I, I'm guarantee I'm going to hit the bottom end of the market. But, uh, <laughs> but I rejoiced when, that bull, when I found that bull. And I brought him home, and I took care of him, and doctored him, and... and fed him and, and he's still living in the lap of luxury right now and, and hopefully he learned his lesson you know to find out next year when we when we when we come to church and we hear God's word it's, it's one thing to sit here and hear it you may even go home and reflect on it you may even talk to your neighbor about it but that's not 
the end the end of the game okay we're not just here to listen we're here to do so our command is to go out there and find those lost and and ones who've wandered and help them to find their way home and and receive them with love and receive them with rejoice and most of the time they're the guys and the people we don't even like right you don't want to do i don't want to do that i don't even like that guy why should i why should i invite him back and, and rejoice with him um, had an opportunity last week uh, a fellow came he'd, he'd been coming to church here quit coming to church here had no idea why last weekend he showed up and he asked afterward he asked kevin and i to uh, meet with him over in the corner and and he confessed that, that he'd, he'd left the church and sinned against us and he asked for forgiveness now i love kevin kevin is is my mentor in in ministry kevin did not point a finger at that man and chastised him for what he'd done. He hugged him and, and said, I accept your forgiveness, forgiveness, welcome home. Okay, That is leading by example. That is what we're all expected to do. Okay? So, uh, you know, our, our, I guess our little task this week is to, it's not hard to find the lost ones, guys. They're, they're everywhere. Go out and invite one of them back. I'd like to see a thousand people sitting out here next time. And invite them back and, in, and invite them back with grace, not with, not with uh, I told you so. Because we've all been there. I've been there. Through God's grace, I've been welcomed back to this thing, and it's pretty awesome. I love all you guys. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm going to close in a short prayer here. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to open my mouth and, and say your words. They're not my words. Ask you so much. Ask you to, to uh, open everyone's hearts and minds to, to the message that you've offered today through Gerald and through me. I say you help us to go out and find, find the lost ones and, and bring them back. Bring them back with grace. Bring them back with love and rejoicing. I say you be with Kevin and his family as they lead this church. Thank you so much for the prayers that that uh, coming from the people for this church and, and to keep us going. And, and we know that the Holy Spirit is upon us today and, and just ask him to, to lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.